0: Well, good evening again. Thank you for coming out and uh, worshiping with your brothers and sisters. Someone once wrote, when we sing, we're speaking two languages at once, the language of the mind and the language of the heart. Uh, For many, music touches us in in a deep down way. Uh, Music can take us uh, to a different place Uh, as we associate past events with songs of that time, uh, or uh, when we sing or play music uh, to lift up our spirits, to encourage us, to strengthen us, or even uh, sometimes for me to help us escape a little bit. Throughout the scriptures, uh, people use verse, poetry, and song uh, to praise God, to thank God, Uh, Basically because normal speech just can't cut it. I think I've mentioned this before, but there are about 185 songs in the Bible. There are songs for all kinds of occasions, songs for battles, songs for coronations, funerals, cities being conquered, seas being parted, and prayers being answered. And besides the 150 songs in the book of Psalms, uh, you can find 34, I mean 35 or so more uh, songs, chants, dirges, hymns scattered across the Old and New Testaments. Uh, this morning I'm going to talk about a particular song. One particular song, the Song of Mary, or the, the Magnificat, uh, found in Luke. Uh, Chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. Uh, It's found on page 856 in the Bible in front of you. Or we passed out a little piece of paper uh, with that passage on it if you want to follow along. So this this Magnificat was uh, sung by Mary in celebration of Christ's coming birth. Uh, through her. Uh, Thank you, Layla, for reading that earlier. Uh, There are actually five songs in the first two chapters of Luke. There are two by women, uh, two by men, and one, of course, by the heavenly angels that we heard earlier. Henry Burton, uh, an English Puritan, writing at the end of the 19th century, he describes these two chapters of Luke as the entryway of the grand cathedral of the Gospel. He has us imagine that as you enter the doors to this cathedral, that the first thing you encounter is this, this glorious music. He writes it like this. He says, on the one side, a Zacharias, a Zacharias and Simeon, one chanting his Benedictus, and the other his nunc dimittis, and facing them as if in antiphony are Elizabeth and Mary, the one singing her beatitude and the other her magnificat, while overhead in the frescoed and starlighted sky are vast multitudes of the heavenly host, enriching the advent music with their glorias. And I, I, I think that's a really cool, picture of that. Mary's song is called the Magnificat from the first line where she sings my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's song is all about magnifying Jesus Christ as Lord. Though he hasn't been born yet, she wants to sing his praises and magnify his name. Mary sings this song at the beginning of her visit to her relative Elizabeth, who herself, as we know, will bear a child in miraculous fashion, and that child will be John the Baptist. It seems that Mary uh, needed to go and visit her cousin to receive both comfort and confirmation of, of what's about to happen. Here's Luke's account. He writes, In those days... should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord." So in those days refers back to the passage read earlier by Vanessa where the the angel informs Mary that she will give birth to the Savior. And despite all the questions, despite all the concerns she had, I mean, she's never been with a man. She's engaged to Joseph. You know, what will he think about this? What will her parents, what will the community uh, think about this? What will the baby be like? What What will it be like to raise the Savior. You can imagine a million different things going on in her young mind. But despite all of that, she trusts God. She trusts His plan. She trusts His sovereignty. And she says these familiar and faithful words. She says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to Your Word. And that's when she went to Elizabeth's home shortly after that. And Mary is indeed comforted and confirmed by Elizabeth's words. And blessed is she who believed, that's Mary, that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And again, I'm sure the many questions were still there. But upon... Hearing Elizabeth's words, Mary then sings a song of praise." So incidentally, although Mary was poor, she was just a poor peasant girl, she had been brought up in a godly home where she was you know, most likely thoroughly versed in, in Scripture. Like Zechariah, Simeon, Anna, and others, you know, Mary was looking forward to God's redemption of Israel, So when she heard Elizabeth's greeting, she herself was filled with the Holy Spirit and Scripture came pouring out of her heart in the form of her song. Psalm 103.1 tells us, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. And elsewhere we're told that out of the abundance of the heart our mouths will speak. And that's what's going on with Mary. Mary was filled with God's Word and His grace, so she sang about God. She sang about what He did for her. She sang about what He did for all people. And then she sang about what He did for Israel, specifically. So first, and I'm not going to go through verse by verse. I'm going to go section by section. So first, what God did for Mary. Verses 46-49. through 49. Notice that Mary calls Him God my Savior in the opening line of her song. Verse 47. Only sinners need a Savior. Mary sees herself not as someone special and born without a sin nature, but as a sinner like all the rest of us in need of rescue, in need of a Savior. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, As for you, you were once dead in your transgressions and sins. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So there's no question that Mary was a virtuous young woman. But she knew in her heart that by nature she was deserving of wrath, as Paul says. Mary sang of her desperate need for a Savior. She also sings of God looking on the, uh, the humble condition of His servant. Speaking of herself in verse 48, literally she sees her littleness. Both in the world's eyes and in God's eyes. Mary's words tell us that she felt totally unworthy to be chosen of God. You know, she's just another poor girl among thousands who live poor lives in, in these, these backwater towns uh, of a nation that's under uh, Roman occupation. Yet, God in His sovereignty chose Mary to give birth to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, uh, starting with uh, verse uh, 26. Now, now listen to these words if, if you yourself feel unworthy of God's love. Paul says to the believers in that church, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, when you were saved. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God, some of my favorite words in the Bible, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, become for us our righteousness, and he's become for us our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boasts in the Lord, Paul says. So just like Mary, we all need to realize uh, we need to realize that all people are the same in their need for a Savior. It doesn't matter how many MVPs you've earned, it doesn't matter how many PhDs you have, it doesn't matter. If your CD's and your IRA's and your 401K's add up to be larger than the GNP of a small country, you still need a Savior. Which brings us to the second section, what God did for all people. Verses 50 through 53. Mary sings that God responds in two ways to two different kinds of people in the world. There are those who fear God and obey Him and those who are proud and arrogant. The ones who fear God and obey Him receive His mercy and provision for their needs. They're the ones who are exalted. Those who are arrogant and proud are cast down and scattered. Uh, Fearing God uh, is a respectful obedience of Him. He shows mercy to those who fear Him. And of course, the greatest act of mercy that, that God has ever shown is sending Jesus Christ to the world to save sinners such as you and myself. Though we deserved only punishment, God didn't give that to us, but gave us Jesus Christ instead. All who believe in Him alone receive eternal life. And Mary, Mary implies that, that, that this good news is not just for her generation, but can be passed down from generation to generation. In other words, the good news is for all people and for all time. The blessings of God through Jesus Christ are for everybody if they will only believe in Jesus. The weak, the humble, and the hungry in spirit, they sing with Mary, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior because they believe. And is that you this evening? Does your spirit rejoice in God your Savior? Do you believe? Or do you not see your need for a Savior? Every person who's ever walked the face of the earth has needed a Savior. All of us are broken and our relationship with God is severed through our sin, through our rebellion, we're all equals in that respect. The couple that pulls into Basin Harbor in their super yard this in the summer, well, they need a savior. The family that lives in the John Graham shelter in Virgins, well, they need a savior. The person at school or at work who's struggling with their identity, you know, sexual or otherwise, they need a Savior. Your friend who seems to have the perfect marriage, perfect children, perfect home, well, they need a Savior as well. And if, you, if we could just look past the externals, look past all those externals as Scripture does so well, and look just at the heart, especially our own heart, we see that we all need a Savior. In short, if you're human, you need a Savior. So praise God that some 2,020 years ago, God provided in Jesus Christ exactly that, a Savior. God's Word says in this this familiar passage, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. I mean, one of the great things about the Gospel is what it doesn't say. It doesn't say whoever believes in Jesus and has their life perfectly in order. It doesn't say whoever believes in Jesus and you know gets all A's in school. It doesn't say whoever believes in Jesus and never messes up in life. It doesn't say that. It says whoever believes in Jesus. Which brings us to the last part of Mary's song in verses uh, 54 through 55. When God gave His only Son, as John 3.16 says, it was in fulfillment of that covenant that God had made so many years before. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was was the consummation of the the promised blessing to Abraham that a Savior would come through the chosen people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. And by, by the time... The Virgin Mary was born. 2,000 years had passed since God, since God made His promise to Abraham. The, the kingdom of Judah had ceased to exist 600 years earlier. And there had been no prophets for 400 years. So there was 400 years of silence. And all this time passed, yet God's promise remained unfulfilled. And the, the words of the psalmist in In Psalm 77.9, it describes this time as he asks, he says, has has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He in anger withheld His compassion? But then, in the fullness of time, as Scripture describes it, in the fullness of time, God finally fulfilled His promise. In In the merciful and gracious gift of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Mary realized that what was happening in her womb was the fulfillment of that age-old promise to Abraham that God was finally sending the divine Messiah, Jesus the Savior, the eternal God incarnate. So she sang. She sang, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So that's Mary's song. That's, she, she sang about God her Savior. She sang about God our Savior. And she sang about the God who keeps His promises. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let, let's pray. And then I'll, I'll pass around the... Uh, the candles heavenly father as we go about our day tomorrow celebrating Christmas celebrating family even family that's with us only in memory Lord help us to join with Mary in magnifying the Lord and rejoicing in Jesus our Savior that that would be our gift to him who alone is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Amen.